Hello, and welcome to the very first episode of Indiepocalypse Radio. I'm Andrew. I'm the editor of said Indiepocalypse and the host of the other aforementioned Indiepocalypse Radio. Oh, shit. I have my audio on on stream. Okay. <laughs> Don't need to hear my own voice. I'm not a fan of that, personally. <laughs> All right. So this is a... A talk show where I talk about games and things and stuff with people related to Indie Apocalypse, and I'm sure people completely unrelated to Indie Apocalypse. As you can see, I've got my first guest over here, and this is Nilsson from issue f- seven, f- seven. Yes, seven. Yes, got in one. Se- issue got in one, definitely. <laughs> issue seven of Indie Apocalypse with Flaming Million, or is that pronounced Flaming Slash Million? That was like flaming million. Okay. Yeah. So give what is give me a tell me about yourself shortly though. Uh, well <laughs> what do you want to know about me? Give me a brief introduction. <laughs> I don't know who you are, who <laughs> but not yeah. as a person. Give me halfway between explaining yourself as a person and explaining yourself as a brand. Uh, uh, um so I'm I'm an MFA student uh, currently. Um, I run a very tiny, they're like queer game art uh, group called Swamp Babes. Um, I publish my games on Itch. Um, one of the more recent ones was Flaming Million, which uh, was in uh, issue seven, Eclipse. And uh, an RPG maker. I'm a big like RPG maker fan. Like, like I do most of my gaming, game making, and RPG maker. Um, and I'm just like really obsessed with like Dragon Quest and like Dragon Quest like game mechanics and like JRPG like binaries and biases and you know thinking about ways to subvert those things and like sort of you know like question why those exist the way they are so like i grew up playing jrpgs and like i know everything everything i know about the world like i learned from like final fantasy (laughs) and chrono trigger and dragon quest so like now i'm like really interested in like how do we you know take what we learned and like queer it and make it more radical yeah yeah. take what is like essentially very rigid a very rigid mechanical thing and also but change it in a way that's not just putting a different story on top of the mechanics right so yeah yeah definitely yeah no you go oh no give bobby five more seconds <laughs> um i was just like gonna say that you know i'm very interested in like the mechanic side of you know how like why why do things exist the way they do in these types of games and like thinking about goals and like you know killing animals to become like powerful is like a really problematic notion and you know like collecting money is like a problem in and of itself you know and like from even, from said killing of animals yeah yeah exactly like you 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 know you go out into like you know you go in your backyard and you like kill an animal and then like its body turns into gold like that's <laughs> and that's life very and life interesting. lessons yeah 
<laughs> I've never tried it in real life. Uh, I think you but, do gain something I from killing an animal. I don't think it's what you want to gain from it. I think you do gain a hundred percent some some level of experience from it. Yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, yeah. I don't know. And like all my games are coming from a place of like, you know, thinking about queer theory and like, you know, questioning violence and questioning, you know neoliberal values and capitalism and so like i think about these things when i'm making the games but then i also want to like you know foster a game you know community that is also interested in doing those things and so i have my first question my most important question i have for you as someone who is not person as as the sole person who's not personally informed about indie apocalypse on this show how did you learn about indie apocalypse that's a good question. Um, I definitely spend a lot of time on itch. Um, I'm always just like looking at game jams and seeing, you know, what kind of like small communities are growing on there. And that's something that really interests me. And so I kept seeing the, actually, I probably applied to the first one that I saw because you do game jams every yeah. issue to like collect games. It turns and out very easy to I, do. Yeah, and so I saw that, and it, like, really caught my attention. I was like, oh, yeah, like, I, that seems like a good idea, so I applied to it. Okay. Yeah. I, I, it's, it's always something I wonder, because I have a very, like, natural inclination. Like, I want to fill, I want to be a zine full of, like, you know, outsiders and, like, misfit weirdos and people who are unconventional, and I have not had to search very for that people they just kind of like find themselves here naturally like oh this is exactly the kind of stuff i'm looking for and it just kind of like fell into my lap even though i only had like 15 entries and i'm like is there a secret underground like whisper network where people are talking about indie apocalypse and why can't they talk about in the other the the above ground Mm -hmm. Well, Indie Apocalypse is really great, too, because it's, like, you're not really looking for just, like, one thing. Like, all the games that are in it are so different. Um, And so it's always really interesting to see, like, what, you know, what, like, what games of, like, the month are going to pop up. Um, So, Yeah. yeah, I love it. I think it's great. I've even, like, specifically, sometimes games will get, like, games that are very good will get kicked, like, I don't want to say kicked out or... They are not. Ex- they're not included. Yeah, it's too. Uh, it's too. It's too polished. Because they're um no because they're too similar because there's like too yeah. many similar things like, hey here are two, if the, for instance like say in seven this was not the case but there were two like queer glitchcore RPG maker games. Yeah. As good as they both were, like I probably wouldn't put them both in there because yeah. I'm looking for a variety. I'm looking for like the show. Hey. Indie games are, like, literally anything you want them to be. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I mean, I do you feel like a person who, you know, in, like, the community at large and, like, do do you feel like when you sort of say what you're doing, do people, people, like, get it? You know, like, people are like, oh, yeah, like, I get what you're saying. Like, I understand, like, what, you know, sort of, like, what you want to see. Or do you feel like people don't really get what's going on with indie apocalypse no i think it's like a pretty easy like explanation and a pretty easy pretty easy pitch generally 
Yeah. People are like, oh, okay, I get what this is. I get. I would. It's weird because I feel like the entries are like on two like these like two sides of this, this like spectrum, where it's like very. Like, hey, I'm making my first video game feedback welcome or whatever. And I'm like, then also like the stuff that I want, like, oh, this is the good shit that I want. Yeah. <laughs> There's very little of like that hyper polished but wholly uninteresting kind of thing. Yeah. Likely because yeah. the people who are making those are not going to submit to a, a zine that pays them $20. I don't know why not. I said to you the other day, I was like, that's like the most money I've ever made making a video game. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, 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 was, I was in an anthology like six years ago or something. Yeah. And it was like 40 bucks in terms of like wow. a one-time payout of like royalties. And I was like, oh, that's... And before, the, before Indiepocalypse, that was the most money I'd ever made making video games. Yeah. Now, yeah. I, now I'm still... Real net negative, but it's more than... You're doing good work. Yeah, I'm hoping it'll... I'm imagining it'll pay off eventually. Yeah. Well, the the reason why I asked about, like, you know, do you think that people sort of get what you're talking about is... So, I'm part of this group, Swamp Babes, and we're interested in, like, showing queer game art uh in like physical spaces which we haven't done in a long time because the pandemic's been going on um but when i was when we were like looking for art for you know the last show that we did it was very hard for me to kind of get people to understand what i was talking about or like what i was looking for i was like the call for work was um it was like i'm looking for experimental video derived from video game footage that was like the most succinct way that i could describe what you know we wanted to show for that show yeah and it was like like it so like a lot of some people did get you know exactly what i was talking about and like they sent like work that was just like phenomenal and like exactly what we wanted to see but it, it was like hard to you know we're sort of like art realm and like thinking about also in like this like it's just like a different mindset and it was i feel like it was hard to sort of convey you know yeah, exactly what is, we were looking like, for i wonder if that is partially like i think the predominant sort of i guess there's not art communities i think in games are very disparate and very small yeah. So it's hard to just like put uh, like you know spit a message out to art games, you know, mm-hmm, and get mm-hmm. the response you're looking for. Yeah. Because like you yeah, and then like yeah, no, what are you gonna say? No, no, no. Keep because yeah. I, mean, I was just kind but, of elaborating on the same thing I was saying. Yeah. Well, I was also gonna say like you know, and then you know, I would throw around the term machinima. And then, like, oh, people, yeah. like, Google Machinima, and it's, yeah. like, whatever, it's, like, Red vs. Blue, I think, because, like, yeah. that, like, Halo Machinima, that's, like, well, very famous. 
Well, one I was thing, like, no, like, literally that's not what we're talking about. <laughs> yeah. I mean, to be fair, I think that was like, did they, what's that I hosted, like, or what's that hosted on, or like, founded machinima.com? Yeah. So yeah, they got, exactly. they got good SEO. Yeah. yeah. I don't um, know how much there was, like, ever, like, machinima that was not, I like, I, I feel like the term doesn't even exist anymore to some extent. Yeah. There's, um, there's like a, Milan Machinima Festival, I believe it's what it's called. Um, and they do, they're seem, they seem interested. I mean, it's like Europe. So, like, they seem interested in, like, very, like, avant-garde, you know, you know, right. video. Um, but, yeah, it was, I did get some really nice pieces, though. I mean, there's some really beautiful work that we showed. Um, the show was called Games for Windows, and it was, like, all these monitors and these windows and, like, storefronts. Um, now, was and there's, like... Oh. Yeah. Was there, like, a like a page to go with that if people wanted to see that? Like after Yeah, you can... Uh, if you Google swampbabes.org, um, it'll come right up. Okay. And yeah, you can see all the all the work. Um, but this is like like the most like my favorite work from that show was like somebody had taken a, a sixty millimeter film camera and just like filmed Super Metroid like really close to the monitor, <laughs> and it was like the most like beautiful like you know like feminist like powerful work, and it was like so simple and it's so. And so the per I actually you know know the artist who made that work and she's like very much in the realm of experimental film and video like nothing knows nothing about you know games yeah and it was like that kind of like art thinking I think led to like that work being so successful like you know I even said to her I you know like oh like you know it's like this great like feminist like video of like samus you know like running and and she is like oh like i didn't even know that was a woman like i thought that was like a robot <laughs> which was you know that's funny to me but <laughs> yeah it's uh, it does look like a robot though yeah no totally samus totally looks like a robot i guess that's like the you know the point of samus yeah um but yeah i mean and you know, in my so I'm an MFA student. Um, I'm getting my MFA in visual studies at Visual Studies Workshop here in Rochester, and it's like, yeah, I'll show up to like I love everything. You know, I love all the students that go there, and it's like a really great community. But it's like, it's you know, I'm like the video game guy, yeah. And you know, I'm just like over here like talking about like Dragon Quest game mechanics and like ROM hacks, and everyone's like, what you know. I've, I really I've, had to do, like, a lot of convincing that, like, a ROM hack was, like, a, you know, an important thing. Um, yeah. There, which, you could, it could be anything. I yeah. recently played through a lot of the Dragon... I actually played through, like, I think, like, every Dragon Quest game. Oh, word, really? I yeah. love those. Those games are so good. They're perfect to me. I Well, I would say I had to... I, for instance, maybe went to my emulator and froze my health value so I could beat the game. I, was like, <laughs> I don't feel like grinding that's fair yeah that's fair i actually i love one of my all-time favorite video game memories is i was playing dragon quest 7 when it was like newer yeah and so i was like very young um and i was like home sick one day from school and i was just like grinding and like this like pyramid level and it's like fighting like mummies for 
hours and because that game has like a really great class system so you can like yeah. really grind out your job points or whatever and it's like fighting these mummies and it was like it was really dreamy and you know it was I, nice i mean yeah i have no problem like i had i in the right mood i am a big fan of like just like it works to sit down and grind yeah 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 I I'm not despite my um, place as an editor and curator of pretentious indie yeah. art magazine. <laughs> I will not pretend that I don't play games where the numbers go up. Yeah, oh totally. Or, or like I spend I won't pretend I spend a lot of time playing, for instance, digital card games. Word, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, just, I guess it's not my fault. Yeah. I love magic so much. No, no just, magic's very cool it just works for me it's like it's a weird like intersection between play and design mm-hmm. yeah totally when you're you know getting into it because it's like, um it's so like dense and broken mm-hmm. and there's so much like legacy shit thrown into it that yeah nobody knows how everything's going to interact anyway um drag <laughs> <Quest> seven <laughs> not yeah. to derail it is that the that the first ps1 one right it is, yeah. Okay, because there was something in that that like blew my mind when I was playing it. Yeah, please tell me. It's very early on. I think it's like yeah. in the first world you go to when you're traveling yes. with that woman who turns out to be a monster. Yes. And you can like quit the battle mm-hmm. and not fight her. Yeah. And then like stand in front of her and stop the guy from trying to kill her. Yeah. And it just like was intuitive. Mm-hmm. And I didn't like the game didn't prompt me in any way. I was like, I just wanted to do this, and then I was able to do it. And yeah. I was not expecting that sort of thing from Dragon Quest. So beautiful. Which I it's expect- such a beautiful story. Yeah, it's like I you, I came coming to it fairly. Re- I mean, I think I played eight like when it came out. Yeah. That which was like the first like PS2 like hey Dragon Quest is in the West again now we're calling it yeah. Dragon Quest again. Hmm. But I was like, I was not expecting like such like interesting game mechanics out of Dragon Quest. Totally, and one of the really possibly my favorite thing about Dragon Quest Seven is like, I think they changed it a bit in the the DS remake, which I played a bit of, but I didn't get very far in it. But in the original one, the like the intro sequence is just this like three hour long like dreamy sequence, and there's like no combat. And I remember when I got the game, I was playing it like in my living room or whatever, and you know, my 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 dad was around, and I remember he commented, he was like, "When are you gonna get into a battle? Like <laughs> you've been playing this game for like two hours, like there's no battles. Like are you bored?" And I was just like, "No, like this is like so good. Like like don't even give me any battles. Like let me just like wander around these, you know." dungeons and towns and stuff and like yeah talk to like weird npcs it's it's almost the equivalent of like a modern rpg maker like hey look at this art game you don't fight anything for two hours you just kind of wander yeah right totally i guess yeah so i have a question here for you yeah from anonymous i want to make sure i get to these yeah i'm going to paraphrase it i if anonymous is here, it's very friendly and very play. It's a very complimentary message, but I, as a personal thing, I hate reading those and hate listening to those kinds of messages. Yeah, that is an hour of compliments and then a question somewhere in there. 
I don't take compliments very well. Well, perfect. It's also (laughs) awkward indie developers who don't are not used to having audience. Um, So basically, the core of it is: what is the idealized version of your work, person, both personally and with Swamp Babes? Yeah, Um, definitely. Like, I love work that is being shown in a physical space. Um, I love like I love arcades. Um, and I love the idea of like a bunch of games coexisting, like in a space together, like for like a dark space, like a basement, you know, or like a dark, like, you know, so like the kind of space a a local arts community can afford. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, I mean, and it's, I definitely heard a lot like early on when the pandemic started, it was like, oh, you know. Nilsson, like now's your time to shine like all your like digital work like you can just do it all online like and and i was like no (laughs) like like uh, work the work isn't good online like no one can you know no one has like the bandwidth to like pay attention to everything online but like when it's like physical like it's just it has so much more presence and it's like it's just better and i miss I missed that, you know. It's like how people anecdotally anecdotally talk about like seeing paintings in real life. Yeah. Like it changes yeah, so definitely. much to be so close to them. Definitely. And, and be like, "Oh, I saw a picture of the Mona Lisa on the internet. I know what it looks like." And people go, "Oh, no, I saw it in <laughs> a museum." I'm like, "Oh, it's, it's it's so different looking at it and being near it." Yeah. Yeah, and that's like, you know, that experience of like seeing it with like other people might be you know might affect it in a certain way just like you know the room it's in is you know like that's all really important um you know that being said like i love the internet you know i'm on the internet like all day and like yeah (laughs) it's it's very (laughs) helpful like i love like yeah i would not you would not be here i would not have any of these things we're not the internet yeah totally so thank you (laughs) no hey no problem i'm just like this is partially me being like i can't travel i can't wander into random groups at you know events of people i don't know so what if i just create the groups in a discord and i bring them all to me yeah yeah definitely i mean and that's like it's nice to you know be on like a like a phone conversation like with you and like with other people and it kind of gives us, you know, obviously like we're broadcasting right now. So it's like a little different than just like hanging out. But right. Right. There's, I feel I, 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 um, you know, I basically, I prevent myself from like, yeah, I'm mentioning too many things. I don't like by name. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Someone's going to hear you. <laughs> yeah. If you though it's on archive, what if they tell them? Um, yeah. so I have, Ooh. I have one more question for you and then we're going to go to break. Cause this is sure. already hit like, um, this is this, a segment, a question I thought of, and I forgot yeah. to put the thing I was going to tell you at the time. Um, this is like a little bit I like to call um, gamers read a book, please. Yeah. And the idea is um, what is something you would recommend to like game developers, not necessarily related to game development work. Yeah. But it's just like something, be, something besides a video game, be it a book, yeah. be it a movie, be it an album, be it a single song uh, or something. Uh, that's a really good question. That's like a really fun question. Um, should I, should I answer it? Oh, yeah, you definitely yeah. should answer it. <laughs> Don't just leave me in like, silence. I'm like, that's a really good question, Andrew. And I'm like, I'm not going to answer it. All right, I'm just going to go to, go to <laughs> no, break. No, I, I appreciate really it. 
<laughs> um, so I have a background in, you know, like experimental film and video and yeah. it's something that like I really love and like really think a lot about and read a lot about. Um, and I feel like, you know, there's this movie that I really love called uh, Wavelength and uh, I, like, I would I would tell game developers to watch Wavelength and like just like think about that in like terms of your design process and I would hope that like video games are too designed I feel like yeah and I think <laughs> and so yeah yeah there's I, a whole so, thing like, about like yeah keep going sorry I don't know it's okay uh, just like you know like design a, uh, I don't know I'm not sure how to truly express what I'm trying to say but it's right. like just you know design something that is like radically designed and is like very difficult like wavelength is like a very difficult film to sort of sit through and watch you know yeah it's like it's very long um and it's you know which one are we talking 1967 or 1983 67 oh that's only 45 minutes that's yeah baby stuff you ever seen john dealman gene dealman that's four hours i mean i oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah, you should. Well, if you're a game developer, you should watch that too. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 um, I meant it's my yeah, goal to mention of... that in every interview I do, subtly and obscurely. Please. Yeah, because I feel like I'm too pretentious if I mention it by name. No, please, please do. But you I said saw... to me the other day uh, that uh, we should be more pretentious about. Yes, I do games. think we should be more pretentious and more like. That's why when I was building this list, I set, my, I set myself like arbitrary, like. When you make music, it has to be like nothing over fifty thousand listens on Spotify. That's the hard yeah. cap. Or if it is, the people have to be like it has to be like obscure, like unex like unreleased, like weird B sides or something. Yeah. Because I feel like there's this constant, arbitrary like people judging me. You know, if you mention music. Yeah. No, whether it's... they exist or not, and I don't think they do. <laughs> <laughs> but I like, but imagining them gets me motivated to seek out new things. Yeah, totally. All right, so I'm gonna we're gonna go to break as I get ready to go to our next guest. Cool. After. Thank you for having me. No, you know, feel free to stick around because uh, yeah, I will. You're not going anywhere, and my next scene yeah. has you sticking around still. <laughs> <laughs> All right. As soon as the stream catches up. All right, hello, and welcome back to Indie Apocalypse Radio. That was the only, I think, my only gamer song that I like in at all. 
Um, and now we are here with Natalie. Hello. Hey. So, um, um, right, where I was with the first one. Tell me a little bit about yourself. Um, I'm an experimental game designer, and I make art games and weird software and strange things for the computer. Yeah, that's about it. <laughs> no, that's a perfect way to describe it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, um, you're in like, you're an all-star in that you're in the majority of the issues at this point, I think, compared to anyone else. <laughs> Simply because yeah, of the electric scene maker, right? Yes. Simply just out of like being like, oh, yeah. So I think it was early on where I contacted. It was like a weird back-to-back of like, oh, I don't know how about this, how the zine's going. And I, I got to work. So I'm like, I'll just contact people I don't who like, you know, luminaries in the field, if you will, and just ask them questions. So it was like you back-to-back with like, um, I, so I, I messaged you. I was like, hey, I think Electric Zine Maker is really cool. And I have zines inside this zine. It would be cool if people bought this and could make a zine off of it. And then at the same time, I was I, I was like, I needed something a splash screen to get people in to like submit their games in Apocalypse. And I reached out to Casey Green, and you're both like, yeah, sure, whatever. I was like, <laughs> what? Oh, I guess if you just ask people, they'll like do stuff. Yeah, but that's so cool too. Like, it's such a great little publication, and it's so cool. It's on itch, and it's like I find it really exciting how much zine stuff is on itch. Like, people are distributing zines on itch, and there's a tiny little pocket there of people doing just zines. Yeah, I think I can't remember. If I, I'm going to say it was a couple of years ago, but I'm sure it was eternity ago at this point that people started like, <laughs> either itch opened it up, or people just started putting like comics and zines on itch. Yeah, yeah, I vaguely remember that. Yeah, it's a long time ago, but totally. Okay, so yeah, there was also like even contacting someone who's going to be in the next issue. They were like, "Oh yeah, we made a zine (laughs) about like oh we're going to do something like this where they also made a zine for one issue three years ago or something." And I was like, "Oh, these people are like half these people are cool now." So. It's kind of interesting, though, how much, like, zines are so part of game culture, kind of. Like, I'm, I'm surprised at how many developers are into that and doing zines or know about zines. Or, like, th- that just generally surprises me, the overlap of games and zines. Yeah, I think I think it's part of it, like, there's, like, this urge. Because, you know, people, at least, like, the, the predominant mentality in games, you have to spend, you know, three years making your Steam purchasable game. And people are like, I want to get something out now. <laughs> you can make a zine in a weekend and people will be like, yes, that's a good zine. That's what zines look like. Yeah, that and I guess maybe, well, I would almost say it, it's like a fun part of fan culture, but like the zines I see aren't that much fan zines. They're more like introspective or if they talk about games, they talk about art games and game theory or game design stuff. Yeah, yeah I, I don't know where I'm going with that. That's just a, th- a thought. <laughs> No, no, I think, and I think especially like Electric Zine Maker and your whole like aesthetic helps to encourage that to some extent. So yeah, it's really sweet to see how people got into that. I didn't think it would take off to the extent that it did, and like it's a tool now that people are using and saying they're learning and stuff. Like it's kind of <laughs> it's kind of huge to me. Yeah, there was someone who I couldn't find a way to contact who made like for a game jam made a game like a game with an electric zine maker 
it was about I forget what it was called, but it was it was for a game by a game by its cover, and it had it was about a black cat that I forgot the name of. Yeah, I think I've seen that. And it was like, Sounds oh, these, these are cool things, and it's like I've made an electric zine maker, and it's like, yes, well, because these things are like, um, I lost my thought. So anyway, thoughts aside. <laughs> How we get this is where this comes in where I ask that question where I, where I suddenly lose my thought. Okay, so this is from anonymous and like with Nielsen is a very there's you have access to is a very large compliment in here. Um, Compliments are good. Yes, your games are good. They put themselves down a little, which they shouldn't. Um, you've said everything. So this the crux of it is they feel like. You've said everything that they would want to say. They don't know what to say. And they just, they're just looking for advice. Uh, yeah, I, I think I saw that one in the spreadsheet. Like, uh, I think even if you think someone has said everything there is to say, like you have your own unique approaches and your own unique voice to bring to a conversation. And, you know, you probably don't even know it yet. And you just got to start. Like, I think the cool part of like, a lot of creative movements and all this creative stuff happening it's like it's a discussion where one person makes one thing and the next person's inspired by it and makes something else and it's kind of like a forward movement and it's just like you gotta get comfortable with your own uniqueness and figure out how to express that in a way that really works for you but like yeah like you don't don't ever walk away from something just because like you think it's all already been said. Like it's likely that you can probably say it better, you know. Right, right. Or like in a way that is, yeah. Trust me, especially in video games, nothing is stopping people from making the same games that have the same. <laughs> I don't know how yeah. many, like <laughs> how many like identical card games with UI identical to Slay the Spire there are. But hey, if those people are doing it, you can do it too. Yeah, you can do it for like art games and weird games like yeah. that would actually be great if like uh, art games had some kind of thing you know their own niche pattern thing yeah. that was happening yeah like these identifiable like art through lines mm-hmm. you go oh this person's influenced by this person who's influenced by this person and you can see this kind of like snaking like path of oh influence yeah <laughs> at that point you're like making a little history of art games which would be super cool and you know it also helps you like Say, for instance, not have someone be like, oh, you make, I like your cool Flash games. How much did you love Hypnospace Outlaw? <laughs> yeah, like, I think it's really cool if there's a broader discussion and that, like, you know, I, I, I don't know, I, get, I really get annoyed by spaces where it puts one thing at the top and that's the thing when it's like there's an obvious movement behind something or a lot of things to choose from and like i i don't know like games have that problem because they are very commercial and then what the way we even talk about more obscure niche or art games ends up coming from a commercial lens but right yeah like just just the idea of like how how you see stuff on itch the fact that everyone's participating and there's so much amazing work and like just you can hit random and you'll find something beautiful like that that is really special to me like that's such a beautiful scene and just to be part of and make stuff for. Yeah. And I've, I've started using your, I use a lot of feeds to like, I would say I have, so I call like two entries every month for the in zine, like where I just handpick them myself and I use your feed partially. And 
I have now something like 4,000 games collectively. (laughs) (laughs) There's no way I can ever play them all, but they all exist. And they're they're all just like, there's great new games being made like every single day and put out on itch. Yeah, like what's so cool about it is like they're all really, they're they're good. Like none of them are terrible or bad. They, They all bring something unique to the table where if you played you're like oh i never really thought of that oh that's really cool that's a really good way of doing that like it it just surprises me how much you know people kind of look down at hobbyist work or student work but like to me that seems to be the most interesting thing about games is the hobbyist and student stuff yeah and i think sometimes people who i think hobby people paint um the term hobby and is in games with a broader brush than they would in other art forms i think Mm -hmm. yeah totally where, you know, even someone like yourself gets painted as like, I don't know, like a hobbyist or what is like a self-described game developer. I think you said someone <laughs> yes. called you one. Self-proclaimed. <laughs> yes. Despite making games for how and who knows how long at this point. <laughs> yeah, I think it's so funny. Like just, yeah, it seems unique to games. Like just making them isn't enough. You have to be super into the culture and have to be really consuming games hardcore and know triple A things about games and like be a hardcore fan on top of being a dev to, yeah. I don't know, count or something, you know, like where <laughs> I, I like the counter movement to that where people are almost like, I hate games, but I'm still making them. You right. Know? <laughs> I, yeah, I think I've, I've mentioned this constantly. I think of the there was an interview that Courtney Barnett did back when like her first major album came out. And it was like, Oh, you're, what do you think about the, your other nominees? Cause she got nominated for best new art. She's like, what do you think about the other nominees? She's like, Oh, I, I don't know who any of those people are. I'm sorry. I just don't listen to them. <laughs> <laughs> because it just doesn't appeal to me. And I think people just need a little bit more. Nelson mentioned it slightly, but I'm like, I think we need a little bit more pretension in games mm-hmm. just to be like, Oh, yeah. you know, I don't have to like, triple a or i don't even have to know that they exist and there will still be like a huge swath of games that are just like being made and will always be made and have been made yeah like i like that comment like to me it it gives me something to think about because to me like being called pretentious like no stop take it back like (laughs) you know like it's a way of looking down but like actually it kind of makes sense like it's kind of like you form your own little superiority complex almost about something that you really love and like it kind of makes sense because to me triple a the gamer hardcore gamer crowd seems very pretentious like just how exclusionary it is but like other aspects of games could actually maybe benefit from a little bit more pride and you know instead of looking down at it yeah because it's weird to me it looks like people who are being very pretentious about a mcdonald's hamburger i'm like (laughs) (laughs) wait that's not high cuisine i don't know why you're getting (laughs) so up on yourself about it but yeah people could you know i just wish people would like love the the i knew it before it was cool just a little bit of that Mm -hmm. yeah totally i think it would help devs a lot too you know it creates some kind of like meaningful subculture of pockets of fans and stuff. But like, I, that's what's cool about places like Itch or Game Jolt. Like, you see a little bit of that starting where that type of game is has its own audience now, you know, yeah. where before it really didn't even exist at all. It was almost like 
what the hell is this? This shouldn't even exist. This is so stupid and strange. It's not, you know, like it doesn't have a place. Now it has a place and you see there's kind of like a type of player for that specific thing, which I think is super cool. Yeah, and it could have been someone who like previously was like, oh, I I, I don't play video games. I'm not interested yeah, in video totally. games. Because they didn't know what video games like were or video games meant to them. They meant the specific yeah, thing. Or like, yeah, the specific thing. Like, it's so cool. Like, uh, I and some friends put on a show called Playdate, and it was at the LA Zine Fest yearly. Yeah. And seeing how, like, it's kind of the idea is take games and take them totally outside of games and show them to a crowd that has no idea or context for this kind of stuff. And it's so cool to see how there's so many people that don't, know that games can be this way and suddenly they fall in love with them like games can be meaningful to them too because they think of games like i don't know counter-strike or you know the shooters like to them that's what a game is and they engage with this and it's like they've discovered something special and that it can involve them too and they just love it like it's so cool to see that yeah yeah i uh, the, the best show one of the best shows that i've gone to is like tcaf the toronto comics and arts festival the the scene up there, Hand Eye Society, like has a like a section within there, and these are people mm-hmm. who are there for like an indie comic show. So they're like not a game audience, but then they trickle up there and like, oh, what are these things? And they're just mm-hmm. like way more open to ideas. And I get less like, I never I did run into less of like the power gamer, if you will, who like <laughs> picks picks up the controller and just like I'm not gonna read anything. I'm just gonna press all the buttons and go really hard fast. And like I. And then get confused because you didn't read my instructions for my obtuse game that you need to read the instructions for. <laughs> but yeah, it's um. And plus, a lot of it, I have an open tab for an article that you wrote that I had not read yet, admittedly. But like a lot of game history gets lost just because of technology. Mm-hmm. And I think that's yeah. I'm sorry. What? No, no. You're probably going to say, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of, yeah, it's a topic that I'm really into now because people are asking me to do talks about Flash and like there's a lot to talk about, you know, yeah. in terms of how easy it is just to eradicate that history. And like we don't really remember Flash properly for what it was because of all the negative PR that we swallowed about it coming from larger corporations that wanted to control a space. So it's like, it's interesting to me to see how it could kind of happen again in what we have with games now because like a lot of our games art games are kind of founded in unity so what happens if you remove unity or what happens if you start stigmatizing unity how easy would it be to destroy this space or you know completely uh eliminate something like itch you know like it's really it's a lot easier to lose this creative freedom and uh, uh thriving community that we have that we really think you know and looking back at flash like i feel like that's a really important thing to learn from about how easy it is to completely eliminate something and even erase it and discourage you from remembering it and you know you you don't even remember how good or big something was right even yeah, like so it's a big topic <laughs> yes even like even some games like going through the collection are built on like the old unity web player which are mm-hmm. like not now like nigh unplayable yeah like it's so sad because it, you know, with other art movements, there's some kind of tangibility to it that you can't really lose and uh, understanding that you have to document it. Like, it's interesting how you have older movies and those don't really get as easily destroyed. But with games, like in five years, it's 
not playable. And if you're not important enough, no one will have saved it. So right. it's like we are we eat ourselves up almost with the way technology works and technology is structured to eliminate old things. It's like we are constantly running in a cycle of kind of consuming ourselves or not remembering ourselves properly. So it, it's encouraging to see these discussions happening now about preservation but in a way also it's a bit late because we lost this huge chunk of internet history right. and that we don't exactly remember properly anymore. Yeah, it's like yeah, imagine movies and like half of the like half like oh, half of our film storage warehouses burned down. Let's start talking about fire safety in film now. <laughs> Wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like the, yeah. and the solution is what the tricky is like, well, if only a corporation built a digital box that stopped aging. And so it stopped updating so things wouldn't go out of, like, we don't have to worry about people making things backwards compatible. But, like, what company would ever want to do that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, like, it's it's amazing to me to see how we're kind of going against that with how mobile took off. And, like, in, what I'm writing now is, like, uh, the way mobile is structured, it's, it's in a way where it's never going to have a history and it's constantly consuming itself and I find it really interesting how we kind of just became okay with having one app store and one Google Play right. and there's no way of distributing mobile apps anywhere else and it's almost like it's almost like fallacy to suggest there should be other stores available you know yeah. but where with desktop we're used to still having being able to have alternate storefronts and it coming from everywhere you know and there's this push and pull where they where desktop is you know, moving in a direction of one place only, you know, like the only thing stopping that is the consumer friction from, no, we, we want to have our games, but like, it's, it's amazing to me how you can actually go backwards and forget how free or liberal a space was and think that this idea of progress that larger companies are pushing on us is actually progress where it's not, it's, we're, lo you're losing a lot. You're right. It's like it's progress in the terms of only like, well, we need to make more money so mm -hmm. we can progress our technology to get people excited again. But we don't really care about a, like a game as an art form or a preservation. It's just like it's a product and the product sold within this three month release window. And now we've forgotten about it. Mm -hmm. until yeah. We and like it can't ever really be as impactful or meaningful if it's uh, rules out the small creators and is inaccessible to smaller people. Yeah. The like, technology is getting better and better, but I mean, eventually ray tracing will be easy for one person, but it's like it, what, like 15 years from now. And like, what's the point of like shutting out a bunch of people if, yeah, I don't know. It's very, it's very, Creation in like games and digital space is extremely top heavy, which is why it's good that like itch seems to be doing fine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And game jolt yeah, is sticking around and all these things, but two you need more than two, I think. <laughs> a little more redundancy <laughs> couldn't hurt. Yes. Please, many, many, many. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like it's amazing with the Flash era. There were thousands it seemed like to me i'm right you know i can't find a good uh, estimate but there were lots of portals all over the world and they were doing pretty well too you know there were it was diamond a dozen almost and the curation going on with them too is very similar to what we have with uh, indie games today you know and it's it's definitely worth examining for how 
we lost that so easily and how can it happen again and how can we protect smaller creators from that happening like you know because right. larger companies don't care about our spaces no. and you know that's completely disposable so like it's really to me important that we care about our spaces and start building our own version of history so that just doesn't get lost yeah you can't you can't hope like i hope that some of these companies are doing like you know your major like capcom remasters like hope i hope there's their criterion version of doing like seven samurai first and then eventually they'll get to porting and remastering older obscure games but it's a very long shot wish <laughs> yeah like are they are they going to be the ones like curating like oh yes now you can play the old weird queer text parser adventure games on switch are they going to do that work probably not but somebody ought to we can't hope the internet archive will survive forever mm-hmm. yeah so funny how that's just it's like just the te- idea technology itself will always eat its own tail you know like yeah. even saying internet archive can't last forever then what is gonna last like that's supposed to last <laughs> yeah it's, it's theoretically our our savior when everything else fails there's just a bunch of pdfs and zip files up on the internet archive it's a big <laughs> repository but we need more repositories. We need, like, I guess what it, the answer is you need, like, people who care about smaller independent games. Yeah, absolutely. Outside of just, like, a passing article here or there, which is, yeah. like, good. But I think the problem is it's, like, yet to find, like, there isn't, like, a strong enough community movement for, like, in one of those things that find purchase and, like, really stick. I think... I'm not sure. <laughs> or maybe it's there and I just don't see it. Like, I'm not looking in the right spot yet. I don't think it's as common as it, it should be, you know, to make a longer lasting difference. I mean, I don't know. It, you know, comparing then to now, there's a lot more awareness of the value of this type of work, too, where it used to be commercial work had the most value, more so than now. So, you know, there's smaller changes that I feel like are encouraging. Yeah. And yeah, there's more people like I still, you know, might hear that at the beginning of this year, even that like someone's saying, oh, these games, these are itch games or smaller games, not worth the time to put on Steam. But I think there's but there are still more people who are like, yes, um, I only put things on itch. Or if you aren't putting your things on mm-hmm. itch, why would you not put a game on itch? It's super easy. <laughs> yeah. There's like nothing stopping you. You get more profits, even if you put it everywhere else, too. Yeah, that, and I'm seeing people that play games only on itch, which I think is really cool. That's like prime, primarily where I do it now, partially because I have to play so many for curation, and mm-hmm. I don't play that many video games, all things considered. <laughs> for someone who's running an indie game zine, it's just like I don't want to spend all my time playing video games. There's other stuff. It's not the only art. So speaking of not the only art. Um, what would you recommend for game developers that's not games? Just any any other like art form, any other piece that you say, hey, also, what's a good word for experiencing art? That is, is the word, experiencing sounds too pretentious. Consuming, <laughs> I hate the sound of consuming art. But Oh, God, I would have said experiencing, but yeah. you say that's pretentious. I, so, uh, that so is what I another say. Word. I don't um, know if there's another one. 
participating in? Does that work? Maybe. I'm certainly not going to say consuming. <laughs> I just went down to the gallery um, the other day. I was consuming a bunch of... <laughs> I consumed the art show, yeah. yeah. I was consuming some this performance that was going on the other day. Anyway, anyway, do you have a recommendation? It doesn't need to necessarily be like game design related, but it's just like, think of it like, I'm sick of gamers only talking about video games. Why don't they read a book for once? That sort of thing. I, I had a thing where I picked something that was completely non-related to computers as far away and as odd to this as possible, which was crystals. And I went, you know, selling crystals at the fair, helping people sell them and was got totally into crystal stuff. And yeah, so that was fun because it was completely counter outside way, way as far away from computers that you could get, which yeah. I think was valuable because you can see how, I don't know, like, you, you know, bubbles aren't good and being in your own bubble means you kind of are part of an echo chamber and being out, around people that have no idea what even, you know, like why, any any of this is important is kind of grounding and kind of you know gives you so there's more around and there's more to the world and like it gives you better better ideas for how to reach people and communicate to them too so i don't know like do something that's completely <laughs> out of the game zone as far away as you could get to it it's actually kind of fun yeah like go to, i was gonna say go to a crafts show but there are none of those anymore <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah <laughs> To divest from games entirely, investing, investing crystals. Yeah, there is. I think there is a. Um, like eventually, you can just. It's like the idea of just like flipping a switch in your brain and realizing that every other person around you also has twenty four hours in their day that they spend doing things. And it's like, oh wow, everyone else has also a huge, massive life because it's very easy to think of people as like the moments they interact with you. Mm. Yeah. Or. Have that little echo chamber that you're in with in the creative circle and forget that it's not as important as you think. Right. It's, it's not the whole world, what somebody said. Yeah. <laughs> Turns out there's billions of people who don't even know who that person is. Yeah. And That's actually kind of nice. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I'm going to go to break. I'm going to remember to mute Discord and my own microphone this time. <laughs> and then we'll be back. Hello and welcome back to Indie Apocalypse Radio. I'm here with our third guest from issue ten, Sophie. Hello. Hello, that's me. I'm Sophie. Nice to be here. Yes, I thought about trying to see if I could cut up like a bunch of little Discord things and put little circles next to people so people would know who was talking. <laughs> but instead, I just trusted that our like our speech patterns and our accents and our voices would sound different enough. I think. 
we've made it. Yeah, I think we're good. I we're think we not. Sweet. We're not four white men in our mid thirties or whatever on a podcast, <laughs> so we're good. Nobody would ever listen to something like that. No, never. There's no more. <laughs> there's no market. Unbelievable. No, Who wants to hear? Um, so hello. Hello. So you are, I forgot to mention your game was Spare Parts Episode 1. Episode 1 issue, of Spare Parts. Issue number 10. Tell me a little bit about yourself. I am visual novels, more or less. Okay. Um, Spare Parts is a visual novel. Uh, I started out making art online in like the mid aughts, doing a lot of uh, sprite comics, doing oh. a lot of um, um, fan fictions posted to the official Nintendo forum. Oh, wow. Um, as, as forum about... posts? Oh, yes, absolutely. Before I even had like editing, like the ability to edit my posts or anything, I would like the, the whole thing. Um, you had to make like 2,300 posts or so before they like unlocked the ability to edit your posts on that forum. I'm just so, uh, so there's this huge like, um, everyone sort of like spent a lot of time as like the lower ranks, and they're all named after Nintendo creatures right. and such. Like the lower lowest rank is like a, a Cappy from Kirby, okay. and then there's like a Goomba. You had to make it all the way up to Koopa before you got the ability to edit posts. And once you did that, you could make a master thread of all of your, you know, whatever your sprite comic was or your fanfic was, you could put it all into one post and just edit it to put it in there. But until then, you had to sort of just put it on the tail end of whatever thread um, you had started and hope that people see it. Right. Um, and in my case, often it was all just on the first page because there were not many comments. Right. Um, but I kept, I kept doing it anyway. Um, so I did a lot of that. I um, welcome to video games. The experience is harshly similar. <laughs> um, shortly after that, I started making AMVs. Oh, I I think I made one or two. In my I day. made like thirty five oh, or so. Um, <laughs> more or less of the same nature of the few same few games. I did like um, Final Fantasy Nine was one I did a lot. Uh, Tales of Symphonia. I did. Uh, I never played Final Fantasy VII: Dirge of Cerberus, but I liked the cutscenes enough to make several AMVs of that to Nightwish. Well, that is um, like, if you wanted like a nice high res of like your nice Edge Lord Vincent, that's the best place to get it. Absolutely, it was so good. Um, most of those have been scrubbed from the internet if we're talking about preservation because they weren't up on AMV.net. No, just YouTube, and then I got, I got canned. <laughs> around the same time my hard drive crashed so i just lost them all oh jeez. Um, but anyway I, I, i'm going i'm going a little too far back I no I was, gonna keep, um, I was gonna keep going actually my back in the day if if for the mm -hmm. for the kazakh kids and the limewire kids out there <laughs> my brother and i would actually download amvs because it's a more reliable way to get a high quality version of the song and mm -hmm. guarantee you were getting the song Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I never put my AMVs up on any like uh, file sharing platforms, uh, but I yeah. did. Uh, the first thing that I ever torrented was Final Fantasy VII Advent Children for the purpose of making AMVs of it. Oh, wow. I got Final um, Fantasy Advent Children when I purchased a PS3 and never opened it. <laughs> well, I watched it again recently. It's kind of funny to go back, especially after playing the remake. Uh, <laughs> anyway, anyway. Yeah. Um, go, go cutting forward to the later on. Yeah. Uh, I started making, so, okay, like, uh, like 20, 
13, probably, I started trying to make a webcomic, and it burnt me out so badly, I stopped making a webcomic. Uh, and I yeah. decided, actually, what I want to apply my, like, uh, art to is visual novels. Because I don't necessarily consider myself an artist, first and foremost, even though I've been doing it since I was, like, very young. I never, like, got a lot of proper, like art uh education i suppose i've only really just kind of drawn in my sketchbook and what i wanted to draw uh which is totally valid don't get me wrong no but yeah. Some... it's in terms of like making like a whole comic where you're illustrating every single thing it proved to be a little bit too much for me and there wasn't enough room to sort of uh get a lot of text out a lot of dialogue a lot of conversations between characters as much yeah. as i wanted so i kind of looked to some of my favorite um stories and uh at the time and even now um those are visual novels so here i am oh perfect so uh wait, was like, oh, you, you, you're on such a good train though i was like oh i was just listening <laughs> <laughs> sorry i don't want to talk forever no no i have the same problem where i just gotta get started so mm -hmm. yes visual novels so so when did you start is this your first visual novel release? Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, so I'm going to make a confession. Okay, Some, so some, somebody out there, page. someone out there might know who this is, what this is, and I'm hoping not. But if anyone is familiar with the visual novel Wario Date, uh, that was me. I, like several honestly, years ago. I think I am. Yeah, it like got a, a particular streamer streamed it, and that's probably still the thing that I have made that has gotten the most attention and eyes on it. Um, so technically that's the first one that I made, but this is the first one that I spent more than a week on yes. and actually like feel proud of. Yeah. That, and that also, that is a whole other issue of like, do those streamers, like, especially when they're streaming kind of like, whoa, look at these indie games. Yeah. It was a bit, so it was a bit of a, if you, if you forgive the parlance, a uh, cringe stream. Ah, yes. <laughs> one of those. Um, no, I I am familiar with. I've seen a lot of sentiments of like I got a big streamer played my game, but they played it as mm. like, whoa, indie games are so weird. I don't get mm -hmm. it, lol. Drugs, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. Like what were what could you have been smoking on when you were making this? And theaters, um, <laughs> nothing. That's how. Nothing. I... It was just the week of sleep deprived. Uh, there was a dating sim game jam that one of my friends was putting on, and I went way over the allotted time supposed to be just a weekend but i wanted to make a game about you playing as wario and dating various mario characters and or stealing all of their wealth from them and yeah. sort of a very loose idea about the sort of push and pull between deciding to uh 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 bolster your own value and like trying to get one of the uh, uh several romantic endings and it was all very quickly made it was all very sloppy uh, yeah. The art was very sloppy. I used a lot of uh, official Nintendo assets. Uh, they never sent me any emails about it, which is probably for the best. <laughs> well, let's not mention um, it now. I've, I was very <laughs> happy about to send DMCA's wherever they'll go. Yeah, yeah. This, maybe it was a different time. It was several years ago. Um, but I don't want to talk too much about that. No, <laughs> Just, no. Let's, let's forget about that. Let's forget this, about that. It's this darkness I've been holding inside of me for so long. I don't. I don't want people to associate my new work with that because no, um, no, exactly. Just. Sometimes it's good to purge your history entirely. Yeah. For as much as preservation is important. Right. Sometimes... It's it's you know, there's there's um there's a, a spectrum. Yeah. Sometimes you don't want your 
good thing. You don't want your things from the past to exist forever. Sometimes you were a younger person and you made things. Oh yeah. And you've grown oh, up yeah. and you've put away your childish things. I definitely still have access to logs of, I'm going back into like the mid aughts, but like, um, um, self insert lucky star role plays. Um, <laughs> that I did with friends. It's just a lot of like fanfic and yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I'm kind of coming at this from like a storytelling angle because I guess I consider myself more of a writer than like right. a artist or a developer necessarily. We were talking, you're talking earlier about like this sort of self perception of yourself as a developer, yeah. and, and it's I, something I haven't really come around to yet because I've only put out one thing, and I have a bit of a chip on my shoulder, I suppose, about whether visual novels are video games or not, and I don't particularly care. No, but... I, I, I have a very my thing is it is it is. Is there a video? Do I interact with it? <laughs> Even that is too specific a definition for a video game. I mm -hmm, personally mm -hmm. don't care. I'm with you. I'm yeah. with you. But, but also, I know, I know... like, Spare Parts is a beefy, a beefy entry. Uh, yeah, I guess so. I was actually thinking about this the other day. A lot of, and I don't mean to disparage anything here, very sincerely. Um, I think a lot of visual novels in sort of the indie space are very, very short form experimental works. Yeah. And I super appreciate those a lot. Um, but for myself, I kind of grew up on like these really long RPGs and like story based games. And like, um, I want, I always wanted to like, make a story that went on for a long time you know it's like a big work right. that has a lot of nuance a lot of depth a lot of characters a lot of mysteries and interactions and all this stuff um isn't technically the longest work of written fiction a visual novel i i mean it's, like, it's up there it's like umineko or something i was i was gonna say umineko is certainly um one of the greats um and if i actually actually i'm glad you mentioned umineko first because if i had to point to one visual novel that sort of like changed my like my whole trajectory of where i want to be as like a writer and a creator it was umineko now that is something i never i'm like at the loosest sense familiar with it mm -hmm. it's very good it's very long but it's very good um I think if you are looking for, um, how to put this, it's like, it, it's, so th there's this distinction that gamers like to make between a visual novel and a kinetic novel, where a visual novel is one where you make choices and maybe there's some gameplay and there's like different paths and different endings and different routes, but a kinetic novel is one that's just a straight linear path forward. Um, and I've seen in a lot of like, uh, uh, Steam reviews and stuff. People will often point out this, uh, like dis this uh, disparity between these two concepts, and sort of disparage or like say that a kinetic novel needs to define itself as a kinetic novel. Right, because it's it's this like very specifically defined subculture that I mm -hmm. was aware of those two terms loosely, mm -hmm. but not so distinctly that I could have explained them to you. Right. Um, but Umineko, I think, is one of the, I mean, this might be my own bias speaking, but I think it's one of the more highly regarded um, kinetic novels, as it were, because it is all pretty much all of Ryukishi's work. He's uh, Ryukishi 07 is like the, the main guy who wrote Higurashi and Umineko, a bunch of other stuff. Uh, he has pretty strong opinions and he puts them in Umineko and Higurashi, especially about sort of... Um, um, does it really matter that you're like 
going back and clicking a different button to see more story to him the concept of interacting with like a visual novel um is sort of like it's the gameplay of a visual novel is less clicking buttons and more um having it exist in your head you know right it's sort of like in Umineko specifically it's like this very long mystery series where you're supposed to think very critically about like what it's presenting and it has a lot of things to say metatextually about um, mysteries and how you engage with a story um and, yeah and there's a way you interact with them that doesn't like it doesn't work like any other sort of art form mm-hmm. like the way the information is presented to you is like sort of like a comic but you can't accidentally read ahead yeah and hopefully you're able to read backwards any yeah. any good visual noveling right it's, it's built into like renpy at this point yeah, that's what I use for sure. For sure. I would imagine if you make a visual novel, don't no need to build it from scratch. <laughs> well, hey, I, I have some friends who are making visual novels who are building it from scratch, and the results are quite good. But that is not me. No, I yeah, I'm also humble writer who can put words into a uh, script and hope for the best. Yeah, no need for you. Sure, could you could you have more control where you to learn C sharp or something and build your entire engine? Uh, maybe <laughs> I, don't, I don't know that i have the time but how how much of a difference does it make is like does it make is it like a you difference where it's like yes yes did you notice how this i made those those images move slightly you see how they slide in this so <laughs> you're joking but i actually have very specific opinions and very like nuanced very 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 picky ideas about like visual novel feel you know sort of how things not not to not to put you down or anything or anyone else like i know i want to hear about novels visual novels are a very accessible genre to make especially with things like renpai um recently uh the rpg maker people put out visual novel maker visual novel maker which i will say to everyone is no good don't (laughs) use it but it's there um it's very like if you can write words and you can like path images and export drawings, you can pretty much make a visual novel. And from there, it's kind of dependent on how much you want to like polish it, I suppose. Right. Um, Spare Parts Episode 1 is like like three hours most at max. Um, yeah. And I've been working on it for like three years. And this right. this is also like... It's not that I've just been working on episode one. I've obviously been like working ahead as well. Um, but so much of that was just, I don't know how to do this thing in Python. Yes. I don't like this very specific, like this thing, this just doesn't feel right. Like when the, when the, um, the text box fades in it just doesn't feel right i need to fix that and there's so many little things like that that took me forever to sort of uh uh uh, piece together in a way i was satisfied with i guess right because it has to like not take you out like it's like has to not be like oh this is a text box fading in no it's just another aspect of like the story moving Mm -hmm. forward Mm mm-hmm and, and with a visual novel, like, the pacing of elements coming on and off screen is kind of everything, you know? Yeah. It's yeah, like, and... you, you can understand it being a little less polished in, like, an RPG or, like, a shooter or whatever, because there's, like, so much else going on. But if with a visual novel, it's, like, the thing. 
Yeah, and like, and in some cases, like how a character enters and exits and moves around the scene is like part of their acting. Yeah, absolutely. So it's like if everyone moves very uniformly, everyone moves like, oh, we all move five pixels a second or something. Yeah. Across the same yeah. plane at the same height. But you can also use that. You can also develop a language of sort of yeah. the UI and the movements. And I think that stuff is really interesting. Turns out, turns out, no matter what genre and thing you work on, there's, it's, games are very dense. Yeah, that's for sure. Uh, you were talking earlier with both of the other two about like wanting to game developers to feel a bit more like pretentious about their own work. Yes, and I'm generally not that kind of person, but with visual novels specifically, I feel like I I, I am a little bit. Uh, you know, I, I think it's good. Yeah, I've also, um, I've spent a lot of time going to, I think it's renpy.org and yeah. hitting the show me random games button and just downloading some of those and playing some of those. And I, I, I like, I like, I like them all. I like them all. They're all fun. Yeah, I think that's an important thing. That's like, hey, let me just click on this random thing. Let me just get something mm -hmm. I've never heard of, something that wasn't given to me. Mm -hmm. I have no preconceived notion of it. Mm -hmm. Let me just dive right in here. I went for a couple of minutes, sometimes for a couple for a little while. There was this visual novel I got into that was I got like three hours into it. It was like this dating visual novel, um, and I picked the guy that I liked, and I kept going through it. And then eventually, it kind of just ended, and it said more coming later. <laughs> and there was no indication that it was like a work in progress or anything on the page. And I kind of like uh, appreciated that a lot, you know? Yeah. Just like here's here's most of something. Right, but you know, you have to wait six more years for the rest of the. But yeah, or this. they've moved on to something else. Who knows? Right, work can be unfinished sometimes. Mm -hmm. Work can mm -hmm. be like, oh, I just sketched this out. This I have video game sketch. I have so much unfinished work, and that's I, fine. I'm going I, to accept that. I have like well, a handful of release games and three times as many game folders. Yeah, <laughs> that are un opened or unacted mm -hmm. upon mm -hmm. I have, yeah i have a lot of visual novels i want to read on itch as well yeah it turns out there's a lot of stuff on itch and there's like yeah. more every single day yeah it's kind of crazy and yeah and it's like not even like oh well i only want to try this thing it's any number of like whatever mood you're in at the time mm-hmm you're just like, oh, I want something nice and soft. I want something relaxing. I want something mm -hmm. that... Or it's like, no, I want an edgy teen trying their hardest. Yes. That's always what I want. Their deepest, most like cutting it to the core of humanity visual novel they have in, in them. Yes, absolutely. That they will the, regret five years The later. most self-indulgent character designs and writing <sighs> that you could possibly imagine. I... If you if you can't indulge yourself, how will you, anyone else ever be indulged by your work? Exactly, you're so right. You gotta. I, I feel like learning to be self indulgent in your interests and like the things that you care about is like a very vulnerable thing to do, especially yeah. as like any sort of like artist or creator. It's like you worry that only you will care about these specific elements of whatever you're working on, but you have to trust that somebody out there will also understand if you're going to be putting it out at all. Yeah. Or maybe you don't want anyone to understand. That's fine, too. Personally, yeah. there, there, I, I want people to see me. <laughs> yeah, there's so much, like, so many other art forms. It's like you, like, put on an album or watch a movie, and, like, they don't care about this being, having market appeal. They do not see, but they yeah. wanted to make this. 
Yeah, yeah. And those are some of my favorite like games as well. Um, I haven't. I, I've only recently started looking around itch. Yeah, um, I think that's as like I was like trying to put mine on. Becoming more common. I think it's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Good, good for me. Hopefully, good for like. I hope. I feel like there's a scene slowly building. Mm-hmm. It's just like the only the most cohesive one I see right now is I think Bitsy has a like a clear sense of like scene identity mm-hmm. but everything else is sort of like loose or at least i'm aware of but i yeah i only have so much time in the day yeah i can't i'm go still f- sort of i'm still sort of familiarizing myself with the landscape of itch um something yeah. about me is that i tend to work with my head down just oh, yes. focusing on the thing that i'm working on and not looking around me very much um so i've been trying to fix that a little more now that i have something out yeah. And kind of looking around, seeing what other people are doing and trying to figure out like, you know, what what ideas are out there right. in the space that I exist in right now. And what how are, can I uh, communicate with those in my own work? Right. What are other people thinking about right now? What are other people yeah. passionate about right now? Are, are there yeah. like what are, are there clear, clear movements in visual novels that you wouldn't be aware of? Like, oh, here's a clear like maybe there was some influence that. And then it's like, here's a bunch of runoff and here's a bunch of runoff sounds a bit condescending, but you know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. Yeah. I know what you mean. I feel like, um, there's, I still feel like there's this sort of public perception of visual novels as like, oh, there's like a couple good ones, you know? Yeah. And the only good ones are the ones made by Western developers that right. sort of, uh, quote unquote subvert your expectations. Oh yeah. The metatextual ones. Yeah. Like, not like the ones that are made in Japan, which have never done that. No, no. I could spend an entire eternity talking about how there is good shit in Japan that I'm sure exists, but does not get translated over to the West. Yeah, yeah. It is. It is. It is a shame. But, but it's I mean, like, yeah. I I am very big in language. If I needed to. Yeah, I am like very big into comics. I'm like I I there is a. Mm-hmm. The vibe that I get when I go to indie comic shows and I can buy people's like indie comics and Japan has a huge comics culture. So clearly those kinds of things exist also in Japan, mm-hmm. but very few people are like doing the work to translate mm-hmm. them because who wants to buy, how do you, how do you market someone's zine? Yeah. Yeah. The other thing with like visual novels cat. is that they're, they, uh, visual novels are often quite long. I know I was talking about how many short ones there are and right. those are good, but. But but people also spend also... a long time making them because they have a big story they need to tell. Yeah, 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 for sure. And they're like, "Well, I can't break. The, I can't even if you do epi- even if you do an episodic. It's like, well, I can't break the episode here. There's. I know. Don't tell me about it. Episode <laughs> one is like three hours at most, and like thirty six thousand words or so. I think episode yeah, one. Yeah. And like... episode episode two is like uh ninety thousand words. Well, now you've got all these characters. So, <laughs> now you've got so all these characters. far. So far, my script for episode three is like 120,000, and I'm not done with it. Well, you keep – there's more characters get added. You need I know. Keep... I know. It's – I don't know. I need, to, I need, need to, to figure – I need to trim it down, or maybe I don't. I don't know. I'm still figuring it out what I want to do with it. I think I think video games in general sometimes have a bit of an editing problem. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, going <laughs> back to me talking about Ryukishi, which is all I do whenever I talk about visual novels um, – Umineko and Higurashi are famously very like long, very slow stories. Yeah. That 
personally, I really like that kind of thing. I like lingering on scenes and characters and thoughts and feelings for like a long time and sort of fleshing them out um, personally. Yeah. Um, but I completely understand if you don't have the time to read 80 plus hours of visual novel. Yeah, plus I mean, there's the difference between like lingering in a scene as someone who spoke very much about enjoying a four-hour movie where nothing happens. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But there is like video games sometimes they just don't need to say all the things that they say. No. And I, I wonder how much of that is like people coming to video games who do not self-identify as writers or come from like a background right. as a writer. C- certainly the... Um bar for writing in video games was a lot lower a little while ago but it's it's getting a little higher i think yeah and i don't i'm not talking about like the last of us part two or whatever i just mean like i don't know pacing wise how it's sort of are we talking about the last of us part two on the stream here no you can tell me about it i don't know anything about it neither do i i played (laughs) like i think i played an hour the first one i was like whatever this game's fine i guess yeah <laughs> Unsurprisingly, <laughs> but um, <laughs> um, anyway, yeah. So before we go, mm-hmm. um, before this segment is over, yes, I could have done that cleaner. What is something that you would recommend to all the all the gamers out there, all the game developers out there? So I was I was I was so stressed out coming up with an answer for this. I didn't think I would find one, but I actually have the perfect one. Okay, good. Um, so there's this uh, musician. Owen Pallet. Uh, he's this violinist um, from Canada. And in like 2011, he made this album called Heartland. And it is about um, a farmer going on a journey to kill God. And God is him, Owen, the musician. And it spends a lot of time. The more I listen, it's, it's like the first album that really got me to think about like what it means to create like a character or like a world or some kind of art that lives and breathes on its own. Um, And there's a lot of really powerful moments in that album that make me like really emotional about the idea of creating things and sharing that with people. Thank you so much. That is Heartland by Owen Pallet. I, as soon as my Spotify stops crashing, I'm going to save that. These two. It's, it's very that's, good. That's how I find, unless, uh, or I'll look at it and I'm like, oh, I do know what that is, but I'll listen to it again. Yeah. So I'm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm going to go to break and then I'm going to come back and there's going to be everybody and we're going to do something. Ah. There's, there's a couple more questions that I didn't ask because I just wanted to, mm-hmm. you know, do them to the group. But this is the first part I am le- least prepared for. So let's get ready to go. Let's go. Okay, so I think we're still. Te- I think we are now technically live and back. I am just going to trust that the internet is open and they can hear me. Never trust the internet. <laughs> and that, even though I'm looking at Twitch, I am not actually losing any of the stuff that I am saying. <laughs> so now that we're back, I wanted to have like, I think in the future when I'm more comfortable with the segment, like I want to have. I like podcasts that end with people playing games. But that's not this. I didn't prepare anything. <laughs> and people don't know necessarily what they're getting into. Mm-hmm. But so I have two questions here still that I wanted to ask of the group. Well, first, we, I guess three ten and go on from Gen Z that says, how can we listen to, is there, listen to you? Is there a link somewhere? 
Well, <laughs> I think that you will find that if you look deep within yourself, the link has been there all along. <laughs> that was a good answer. Yeah. I, I, I truly hope Gen Z found the link within you. So we have another one from Taylor McHugh, and I hope I said that right, who is actually a contributor to, I forget which number of Indiepocalypse, and who was actually part of Wordplay this weekend. Taylor, uh, Taylor's my buddy. Oh, yeah. Hey, Taylor, if you're watching. Yeah, they'll be on next week, ideally. Oh, cool. But the question is, I guess semi-related to a question I was asking earlier, but I love learning the intellectual roots of artists. So what books, movies, or games are on your shelf, hard drive, heart that influenced you as a dev? Who should go first? I, I can go first if people want to think about things. Yeah. Actually, also part of me was like, when I thought of, I had a five-second thought where I was like, oh, what if in the third one, everyone asks me questions? But I'm like, that is too self-indulgent <laughs> <laughs> and too self-important. Um, so, but I will say, I really like, also, I thought of just, I read all these questions ahead, so I thought of them. Um I really like trying to adapt non-games into games and see if I can try to adapt the concept of like in the feeling of something into them, including like a wrestling game. And I'm trying to adapt the concept of professional wrestling as theater, which is what I was doing before I started in the apocalypse. Cause I knew the game I wanted to make was not viable as a product. So I was like, fucking I'll make the market in which it is viable as a product. So I started this, but I, really enjoy the album 69 love songs by the magnetic fields as like a practice of like the form and just like it is what it says on the tin and i've been adapting that into like role-playing game one shots and things like that so that's my answer to that question that's I, a good answer i really like 69 love songs yeah it's good I um I thought about this a lot. There's a lot of things that have sort of defined the way that I like to tell stories. I talked a little bit about that earlier. Yeah. Um, Umineko. But I think one that came rather recently to me and helped me sort of form how I want to like structure my writing and think of it on like a higher level is um, Kingdom Hearts 358 over two days. Okay. Uh, because it's a game that is basically about taking the format of Kingdom Hearts and turning it into a day job that you do for a year. All right. And after every shift, you go hang out with your friends and try to process trauma and try to figure out who you are. And then a bunch of dramatic shit happens later. And it's sad. And I just really like the vibe of it. As someone who has played Kingdom Hearts 1, 2, and Chain of Memories, can you mm. what, is, what is like the rough overview of what 358 is? Uh, so it is uh, about Roxas and Axel from Kingdom Hearts 2. Mm -hmm. Still familiar. Um, their sort of like year between Kingdom Hearts 1 and Kingdom Hearts 2, um, where Sora's asleep, Roxas is his nobody, and 
they are at organization 13 and you do a lot of the the day job that you do is basically working at organization 13 okay so like what is it in terms of like a game compared to like a kingdom hearts is it a kingdom hearts or is it like structurally it's a, it's a kingdom hearts you okay. do so you do the kingdom hearts gameplay in all of the levels you go to the disney world you do all that stuff but it's just like like each day you do the mission and then sometimes after the mission you get to have a nice chat with your friends okay. and to me who has worked uh at like food service jobs the entire time that i've been like making stuff yeah. um it like hit kind of kind of good for me you know yes no i i as someone who let's just say i do also do not work glamorous work as indie apocalypse is not fund itself <laughs> I think a lot about there was a um, Eddie Campbell had a, like a semi auto bio comic called the Alec, the years have pants or is like the omnibus mm-hmm. collection. Mm-hmm. And he talks a lot about how he like, he, he worked in like a sheet metal factory and it, I deeply resonated with me, like mm-hmm. his mentality in working there. All right. Oh, Natalie, did you have a inspiration piece, I guess you would call it? Yeah, uh, well, with the Electric Z Maker, I've been looking back at a lot of old entertainment software and creative stuff for kids and, you know, trying to capture that. And, you know, I guess the most popular one is Mario Paint that I've been going back to a lot and uh, Elroy's cut. Leroy or Elroy? I forget which one, but it's like Elroy's costume closet. So yeah, silly stuff like that. Okay. Yeah. I, I think I had Simpsons movie maker, (laughs) which was a similar, like put, you know, animating characters on a scene and make something. All right. And we have one more question here from Duncan. He says, do you like chocolate milk? Sometimes. All right. <laughs> not a not a huge chocolate fan personally. Yeah. No, I but sometimes. I drink personally drink sour milk once and I've never drank milk since. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that's that's difficult. Not a big milk drinker. All right. So that is now I guess <laughs> Thank you, Duncan. <laughs> like I said, the least prepared. Of a, of a question, like suddenly everyone needs to be on and we all need to start talk and hang out like we're friends, even though we cannot, we, none of us have probably met before, nor can we no. see each other and read facial cues. But <laughs> um, does anyone else have any questions for anyone else was here that they were thinking of? Hmm. Well, we've got everyone here before I just like yeah. say goodbye, stream over. I definitely want to say it was just really great to hear everybody else talking about, you know, what they're into and like what their inspirations are. And it's like a really interesting group of uh, like three people to be interviewed in like one show. Um, Mm -hmm. I would have loved to have been like a listener, just like hearing all three of them be like, oh, like that really, really gives me a lot to think about, you know, like three very interesting, different, you know practices and set of ideas and skills and that's just really great absolutely yeah there was some great stuff that came up that was inspiring i thought 
I like you. I was trying to. I was trying to like make it like I want to make people who make different games and like ideally <laughs> come from like different like you know I I don't know everyone personally, so I don't know mm-hmm. how different they are. I could stumble upon people who make three radically different games and have three nearly identical personalities. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but there's no way to know until we do it. But yeah, I kind of wanted to. I never knew what to call this, so like it was part just like community hangout because I want to create something that was not like a Zoom show or like, right. you know, mm-hmm. a thing that is like a PR thing or I kind of wanted to replicate the late night, like festival. People are just collecting <laughs> in circles. And yeah, yeah. yeah. I get what you mean. I, um, Cause I, I said this a little bit. Sorry. I uh, said this a little bit earlier, but I tend to work with like my head straight down on my work and not looking around me at all. Yeah. Um, so I definitely get a lot out of hearing other people talk about their work on this kind of uh, this kind of level. Well, that's cool. I'm glad I could. Like, I'm glad people liked it. Yeah. I'm glad people fun. enjoyed being part of it. I'm. I think that's it, though. Instead of just trying to spin my wheels, and we've gone over two. <laughs> we've gone over two hours. I don't need to to just like justify it and just like two more hours to go. Yeah, Yeah, I guess I suppose. I mean, I could go for two more hours. I'm sure (laughs) if sure like gave us 20 minutes of like, eh, you know, false start, we'd we'd find our rhythm. I could talk about Kingdom Hearts for 12 hours. Okay, well, let's (laughs) let's start. (laughs) What is is being uh, norted? How do I get norted? Do I want to get norted? uh probably not but that depends on your motivations okay okay that's a bad thing usually actually i i think i like i not not because of the lore but i checked out of kingdom hearts like right as the lore was like really ramping up there's a lot of lore and then i was like oh okay i just played other things and here's my last thing on kingdom hearts yes uh the mainline games the numbered games are the least interesting ones thank you all goodbye Mm. (laughs) <laughs> I believe that. That's well, like, is it, well, if it fills the best promises of like very average mainstream popular things, with like I like the side characters. What if I had their stories? Mm-hmm. All right. And so, unless anyone else has any big thing to say, any last sign-offs, any last, I didn't make a, um. Thing that says, "Hey, the apocalypse is over," so I'm just going to stop the stream. I'm going to say Thank goodbye. Thank you. Bye. Wait, no, I know, I know what it was. Fuck, this is a radio what? show. I know the thing. The thing people say is the thing. Do you, people have plugs? plugs? Oh, plugs. The plugs. Well, uh, my itch is sopy soapy dot I'm on Twitter as sopy crystals, and that's basically it. You should read my visual novel and look forward to more if yeah. you like such things. Yeah, it's worth knowing that most games are in- mm. included in the apocalypse are still like on their own pages and they're free a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. And people should but... get them there if they don't if they don't have the money for indie apocalypse. This is just like I never want like the brand to supersede the artist within. Thank you. <laughs> um, I uh, you can find me at nilson.itch.io. Uh, it's N I L S O N 
itch.itch.io. Um, I don't really use social media, but um, if you're interested in more of my work, you can also find me at nilsoncarroll.com uh, and then also Swamp Babes. Uh, you can find swampbabes.org. Um, and if you have like any sort of like queer art game projects, I'm always down to see them. And then, you know, hopefully one day when the world opens back up, I would love to start, you know, showing that kind of work again uh, in like real public spaces. Yeah. So More definitely yeah, hit me up, please. <laughs> yeah. If I learned anything from Indie Apocalypse is just like send cold emails. People will yeah. sometimes respond to you. <laughs> Totally. Uh, I should probably plug too, right? Yeah. Um, uh, you can look up the electric zine maker and go make a zine in it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, works as intended. So, all right, everyone, goodbye. I'm going to click stop streaming. <laughs> I hit stop streaming. Okay. Oh, shit. Okay. It's saying stopping stream. Okay, stream stopped. All right. Wonderful. <laughs> it's still going. <laughs> oh no, we can't get out. Oh, shit. <laughs> I'm living the Twitch life. Does it have to go on for another two hours? No. Oh, I at, want to say least. thank everyone for the follows. Hey, thanks for the bits, everyone. Thanks for the bits. Thanks for the bits. What's <laughs> up? No, I, I don't know. I just, I, I don't begrudge the people who do that because that's Twitch culture. But yeah, fuck. I it's find how it it's how you do it as a career. Yeah, I find it exhausting. I don't oh, got yeah. time.